Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. A big game tomorrow in Lubbock, Texas, when Texas travels to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I got the perfect person to talk about this matchup today. Kyle from Gambling Gauchos. Big day in Lubbock tomorrow, Kyle. Yeah, looking forward to it. And I appreciate you having me on. Oh, of course. So uh, we know that the Texas Tech fans are are crazy, uh, to say the least. And they've shown a lot of unity uh, this week, one thing y'all have done, and I think you've kind of spearheaded this gambling gauchos, is had all of the Texas Tech fans uh, read out their avies. And it really took off when uh, the basketball coach Mark Adams did it. So if you're on YouTube, you can see I'm showing you uh, some avies uh, that are read it out. And, and it looks really cool. Even as a Texas fan, I could say that that's dope. So how did y'all come up with that idea? And uh, how has it been seeing so many people change their avies or, or read them out uh, in preparation for Texas week? Yeah, it's it's a really cool deal that we kind of started on Twitter during basketball season. Um, you know, we had a few different color themed games in basketball. So, of course, uh, it was it started actually with Chris Beard's return to Lubbock. That was a blackout game, and uh, we didn't really expect it to catch on. But we made our own profile picture black, and uh, a couple other people kind of requested, like, "Hey, can you make mine black like yours?" And said, "Yeah," and it just kind of caught on like wildfire. Like everybody wanted the black avatar. Um, you know, they didn't want to be left out. And so we did that for the blackout game against Texas. And then there was a whiteout game against Baylor because, you know, they were a top five, top 10 team in the country and did the same thing all over again with a, an all white filter. And um, then the return game to Austin in basketball, uh, you know, people were juiced up about that. They kind of wanted to take over the arena a little bit, make sure that tech fans had a strong presence. And so everyone was instructed to wear red. So we did it a third time and, it worked all three times during basketball season. We went three and zero in those games, and so uh, yeah, they announced the the football game was a red out, and we figured let's fire it up again and you know try and get people excited, spread the word about the red out, and so we'll see if it works a fourth time. Yeah, I remember the the basketball game in Austin. I was watching on TV, and I could literally hear the Texas Tech fans yelling defense through my screen. I was so damn pissed off. I'm like, y'all in Austin, and it feels like we in Lubbock again, man. Yeah. So- uh, we might talk about Chris Beard a little bit later. We'll see how I feel. But yeah. uh, we're going to talk about this football game, man. So last year, you know, Texas went five and seven. We were the 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 butt of everybody's jokes, but not to Texas Tech because we beat y'all 70 to 35 in Austin. So, Carl, I need you to tell me what what makes you believe this game might be any different this year? Well, I don't know. I, I think that I think our defense is certainly a lot better. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be really surprised if they gave up 70 or anywhere close to it. Um, you know, it, it is a small sample size, but the defense played really well against Houston and NC State, which I think are pretty solid teams. Um, I certainly don't think we've seen the type of offensive uh, firepower like Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. And uh, if Quinn Ewers does play, you know, he's obviously an incredibly talented quarterback. So we'll, we'll see how they kind of stack up against um, kind of the next level of competition, I guess. But, you know, they, they only gave up 20 points in regulation against Houston. Um, only gave up 20 points against NC State on the road in a tough environment. Uh, their quarterback is ACC Offensive Player of the Year preseason. So, you know, I've seen some encouraging signs, and I, I think that our defense can hopefully keep us in some games and keep them competitive in the second half. It's really on the offense at this point. You know, we're, we're playing with a backup quarterback, a pretty uh, patchwork offensive line, and so far they've just not really shown the ability to consistently score and capitalize on good drives very turnover prone. And so they've got to cut back on those mistakes and start 
punching it in to get six points instead of settling for three or zero on on some otherwise promising drives. But um, I'm anticipating a lower scoring game than last year. I think our defense will be competitive, even if it's not a winning effort. So uh, I think that's what gives me hope that it, w- it won't be a rerun of last season. Yeah, I don't I don't think we'll see 105 total points in this yeah. game. And uh, really quickly, I just want to say prayers up uh, to Bryce Ramirez dealt with a, a really gruesome injury last week. You never want to see that uh, from anybody. So prayers up to him uh, on the Texas Tech team. You mentioned uh, Quinn Ewers. So before we get back in the game, uh, you know, a lot of people in Lubbock thought that Quinn Ewers would be playing his college football in Lubbock. So how did you feel about that situation? Did you think that y'all were getting Quinn Ewers? And how did you feel when he picked Texas? Well, um, so I knew we had a, a pretty decent shot. I mean, he came for a visit and, you know, by all accounts, it was down to Tech and Texas. And I think a lot of people were kind of surprised that, you know, a, a prospect that highly rated coming or coming out of Ohio State to transfer, you know, would be down to, I think Texas made a lot of sense, but I thought the other front runners would be your, your typical blue blood types. Um, I, I was, I guess, a little bit curious how he would fit in. Obviously insanely talented, but still, you know, an 18-year-old who skipped his senior year of high school, so he's basically a true freshman this year. Um, so I actually didn't know if he would just come in and automatically have the job or not. Um, I think people within the program here at Tech were pretty high on our starter coming into the season, Tyler Shuck. He originally transferred from Oregon, but he injured his shoulder in the first game against Murray State, and he'll be out for a few more weeks. So, yeah, it was an exciting time. And, I mean, like, the message boards were blowing up. Like, you know, what did he order on his burger during the visit? And, you know, people were, like, glued to it. You know, it was like Quinn Ewers mania for a few days around here. And Of course, he went with Texas. And um, so I think, yeah, that just adds, like, another layer of, of juice to the game. And, you know, if he does play, I think some fans might have, you know, some funny signs ready to go. And, um, if, if he doesn't go, I guess it's it's less of a factor. But, uh, yeah, for a while, I mean, I think we we thought we had a shot at him. And, you know, I don't know what kind of NIL deal he got at Texas, but maybe they just didn't want to fork over that much money. And um, But, yeah, he, he's well, insane. Maybe he, just, maybe he just wanted to come to Texas more than yeah. Texas Tech. I, I, yeah, I mean, I just assume as good as he is, he would he would be able to capitalize on that. And, um, you know, that, that first quarter against Alabama was – I mean, the kid can obviously spin it. And I, I wish he could have played all four quarters of that game because yeah, it might have gone differently. And I, I just want to see how he stacked up against that defense for – for four quarters. So uh, if he does play, I hope he's healthy and, and ready to go. I hope they don't rush him back too soon. But, um, you know, I think, I think Texas fans are kind of down on Hudson card, but I think he's pretty good as well. So I, I guess we'll see which one we get, but, um, but yeah, I hope it's yours if, if he's healthy. Yeah. If yours uh, plays, the fans are definitely uh, going to let him hear it and they'll have extra motivation to, to boom. Him. And it's going to be his first uh, road, well, road game period uh, in college. And it's a true road game in a tough environment. So, uh, he's definitely going to have to be ready coming off an injury. Um, but you talked about your quarterback in uh, Donovan Smith. He's replacing Tyler Shuck, who got hurt earlier in the season. And Donovan Smith is dynamic. He, he's a very dynamic quarterback at times. But uh, also, he's thrown five interceptions in the first three games, and he's been sacked 10 times in the first three games. Texas Tech has given up 11 sacks total. So what do you think Texas Tech needs to do for Donovan Smith to be comfortable in this game and when Donovan Smith is at his best, he's doing what? So I, I think if, if they can find a way to simplify the offense, which I know is hard to do on the fly midseason when you've only got five days to prepare for a game, but our offensive coordinator, Zach Kidley, gives the quarterbacks a ton of control at the line. And I actually wonder if Donovan would be better off w- with less control and just kind of simplifying 
some of the play calling, some of the reads he has to make. Uh, this picture that you've got up here, if folks are watching on YouTube, um, last season when he was kind of thrust in to start the final four games, he did that every play. I mean, we didn't just signal the play, and he went to the sideline every single play, and our offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumbie there, um, I'm sure gave him kind of some notes, some reminders, some things to look for with the defensive looks we were getting. And I think that helped him play mistake-free football. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking back to this example in the North Carolina State game where it was fourth and one. We have a quarterback power called. Uh, it's an empty set. So, so Donovan is alone in the gun. We have a tight end. So we've got six blockers against a five-man box. He should easily be able to take a quarterback power for one yard and, and get a fresh set of downs. He checks out of that, throws the ball 20 yards downfield, winds up being a pick six and, you know, completely changed the momentum of the game, uh, wound up being a really costly play in that game. And so I think that he's he's got all the talent in the world. I mean, he's got an NFL build. He can run. He can make throws from, you know, he can throw that 20 yard out from one hash to the opposite sideline. So he can do all that. It's just strictly between the ears, processing what he's seeing in time to make throws to make the right throw and to make it on time that he's kind of struggled with the last couple of weeks. So absolutely needs to clean that up. If, if tech is going to have a shot, you know, they, they can't be turning the ball over multiple times against a team like Texas and, and hope to have a chance to win. Yeah, that's a good point right now. Texas tech is minus five in the turnover margin and Texas is plus one. Uh, so that's definitely something that could decide uh, this game uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. I would listen to the last episode of gambling gauchos um, after the NC state game, the recap, and y'all talked about this team in tempo, and it seems like this offense is at its best um, when they're running tempo. So do you think Texas sees a lot of that tomorrow? I think so. If we can string together a couple first downs, you know, that was the issue against North Carolina State was we went three and out so many times that it was hard to establish. But it's kind of one of those things. It's like when one domino falls, the rest of them fall. If we can get one first down, two first downs, then it just kind of hums right into the red zone, it seems. But when you're when you're getting behind the chains as quickly as we did against North Carolina state. And, you know, let's say you take a sack on first down, you know, the drive is almost over before it starts. If it, if it's second and 16, I mean, the, the odds of you converting on that is just so low. So I, I think running the ball better would also kind of be a, a compliment to Donovan. And if we can get into second and six, third and two, instead of constantly playing second and 10, third and 11, that'll help us sustain drives and be able to utilize that tempo that, seems to kind of keep us in a rhythm and, and move the sticks. It's just kind of getting that first domino to fall that's been an issue to this point. You talked about the run game helping Donovan Smith, and y'all have two dynamic backs, in my opinion, in Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson. So what makes both of them special? Yeah, I think they're both um, power five caliber starters, um, just happen to be on the same roster. So Sir Roderick Thompson um, has been the starter in name. I mean, I think he'll go out there for the first drive if, um, if this game is like the first three, but they've really split carries pretty evenly until late in the game when one of them kind of maybe emerges as having a better game or just has the hot hand. And so that was Taj Brooks against Houston, and he really kind of started to wear them down in the fourth quarter in overtime. But Sir Roderick was running the ball better against North Carolina State, so he was getting more touches. So we'll kind of see how that breaks down, but um, Taj is just a great straight-line power runner. I mean, he's got a thick build. I think Sir Roderick is a little bit better in open space, and he had some runs to the outside against North Carolina State that was really our only effective run game that for that entire matchup. So if they're trying to go downhill and run through the heart of Texas defense, I think that'd be more Taj. If they're 
trying to sort of get outside the box and make plays in space, I think that'd be Sir Roderick. Um, but really, I don't think either one has gotten a ton of help from the offensive line to this point. You know, if, they, if they're making a play, they're kind of breaking a tackle at the line of scrimmage, doing a lot of the work on their own. So I think that's a huge area of improvement for Tech. And um, if they can find success, if they can move bodies on the offensive line against Texas, that would be a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, this Texas Tech defense next and then this crazy crowd that's going to try to make uh, this Texas team uncomfortable in Lubbock tomorrow. But first, a quick word from Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just your team, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store slash Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked on, get in on the college football pick'em action today. So on the defensive side, I would have to say, at least thus far, your best defensive player has been Tyree Wilson. Uh, 21 tackles through three games with two and a half sacks. So he's been one of the best defenders in the country. Um, what? How do they utilize him, and, and how do you think they're going to use him tomorrow uh, against Texas in this uh, dynamic offense? Yeah, he's he's an animal. Um he, he's a guy that started getting the attention of some NFL scouts over the offseason. The the measurables are all there. He's he's a legit 6'6", 275, incredibly strong, long arms. He was clocked at 19 miles an hour um, in fall camp, and so he's just a freak athlete. He's a tough matchup for anybody. Even, even some of the best offensive linemen in the country would, would have a tough time with Tyree Wilson. He usually commands a double team, and – Every now and then they'll drop him into coverage, like in the flats, just to sort of give a, a different look. But for the most part, his job is going to be eating double teams in the run game. And uh, our other defensive linemen, who I'll get to in a second, have played off of him really well. And then on passing downs, his job is to get after the quarterback. And, um, he's extremely good at that. Um, PFF, which I know people have kind of mixed feelings on their rankings, but um, they put out a list of the top 10 defensive linemen in the Big 12 through the first three games. And Texas Tech actually had three guys in the top eight, and none of them were Tyree Wilson. And so I think that actually speaks to how much attention Wilson commands, and then he leaves these other guys who are also solid players in one-on-one battles that so far they've done a good job with winning. So I think the defensive line is probably the the strength of the defense, and we've seen that with um, pretty poor rushing outputs from our opponents to this point. And I know Bijan is a totally different animal, but um, Tyree Wilson will be on the outside, and then the three guys kind of rotate at, at two spots on the inside. It, it's Philip Bleedy, Tony Bradford, and Jalen Hutchings. Like I said, they're all pretty much equally good. They're just going to rotate out to stay fresh. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a unit that, that actually matches up fairly well, and I, I think it's a real strength of our team. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, you, I mean, you talked about we have running backs like B. John Robinson and, and, you know, Roshan Johnson that you're not going to see uh, every week. But our run blocking has been – uh, not great thus far through the first three weeks. So that is going to be a, a big matchup that decides this game. With Texas headed to the SEC in a few years, this might be the last game in Lubbock for a while, <laughs> a long while. So um, I know that that crowd uh, is going to be raucous tomorrow first. Were you disappointed that it was a 2-30 game and not a night game? And what do you expect from this Lubbock crowd, um, which might be the last Texas-Texas Tech game out there for a while? 
Yeah, I think a night game definitely would have taken it to another level. I mean, you just give people more time to tailgate. And um, when the sun goes down and the lights come on, you know, just kind of it, that's a, it's that college football feeling that everybody tries to emulate and experience. So th- there have been a ton of really fun night games in that stadium over the years. And I think people were hoping that this might be one. But, you know, at least it's not an 11 a.m. I mean, th- those are really hard to get a ton of energy into the stadium for. So, 2.30, you know, it could have been better, but it could have been worse. Um, it, it is a sellout. I think the students will be there um, in force. They'll be rowdy. And, yeah, if, it, if it's a if it's a competitive game that the crowd can stay in for three or four quarters, I think that that'll be a big factor. And, um, something I think Tech has done a good job of from, like, a just game day experience standpoint is seemingly have cut back on some of those ads and interruptions that go on in the stadium and, kind of just allowing the crowd to stay in it, whether that's like listening to the band play, doing chants back and forth across the stadium. So I, I expect them and hope that they'll be very engaged, like I said, as long as the game on the field is kind of um, able to produce that. No, I understand. I said that Texas has to come out and, and stop on them early because the longer you leave that crowd in the game, yeah. uh, the longer they have a chance to affect it. So um, who's your X factor in this game? Who's going to have to have – an outstanding game for Texas Tech to pull off at least what Vegas would think is an upset against the University of Texas? Yeah, I think it's um, – I guess I'll go one on each side of the ball. On offense, uh, it has to be the quarterback. And I, I do think that will be Donovan Smith for the vast majority of the game. But the coaches have said they're going to they're gonna script a drive or two for Baron Morton, who came into the season third string. He, he's incredibly talented. He's a four-star kid coming out of high school. Just He's still young. He doesn't have the experience. So whoever's on the field at that position, like I said earlier, they need to take care of the ball at kind of just a foundational level. And then if I had to guess, you know, they're going to have to actually make some plays and, and finish drives. So offensively, I think it, you know, the rest of it is kind of window dressing. If the quarterbacks turn the ball over three times in this game, then the rest of it isn't going to matter. Um, and then defensively, I think it is, uh, I guess, really the entire team trying to bottle up Bijan Robinson. Um, I know you said that UT's offensive line has kind of struggled in run blocking, but he's so good catching a screen pass or catching a check down in the flats and then taking that the distance that, you know, it's really going to take everybody to to keep him contained. I don't, I don't think you can really shut him down, but you just can't have those back-breaking third and long conversions um, or 50-yard, 60-yard touchdowns. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I think our defensive line will have a big hand in that, but you know, we're also going to need the linebackers, DBs, everybody to, to kind of contain Bijan Robinson to, to have a chance. Because you know, if, if he goes for 200 total yards, same deal. I just don't think you've got the offensive firepower to compete with that. Do Texas Tech fans and people that are affiliated with Texas Tech do they consider Texas a rival? I know that's been a big topic on uh, Twitter this week. Yeah, I think I think they're mostly. Um, confused as to why some Texas fans don't want to acknowledge it as a rivalry. You know, when you play in the same state and the same conference and you played each other for 70 years, I think even if it's lopsided, that's still a, a rivalry. And, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you probably have friends, family, coworkers that went to one school or the other. And so I, I consider it to be a rivalry and, you know, it's the kind of game just like tech versus A&M, you know, it was kind of sad to see that um, disrupted by conference realignment, even though I, I get that the SEC is a, a really good move for Texas. Um, you know, you, you just miss out on games like Oklahoma, Nebraska, A&M, Texas Tech. And that's kind of sad because there's just so much history and, and tradition there in, in games like that that uh, I think most fans will miss it. Some fans, I think, you know, 
they kind of want a break. <laughs> and so they're, they're fine if it's not scheduled in the non-conference, at least for a few years. And then, you know, maybe it works out down the road that they can schedule a, a non-conference agreement or something. But um, yeah, I think that definitely most tech fans today would tell you that Texas is their, is their top rival. Yeah. And I wouldn't say, obviously, you know, we have Texas A&M and Oklahoma, right. but I definitely disagree uh, with most Texas fans. I think it makes them feel good to say that Texas is everybody's Super Bowl, but Texas yeah. Tech is definitely a rivalry. I saw those basketball games with Chris Beard uh, yeah. and all those football games back in the day. You know, I'm old enough, uh, you know, with Graham Harrell and, and Colt McCoy. And so we're going to talk about that next. We're going to talk about Chris Beard leaving Texas Tech and the reaction that's gotten since then. And then the game that broke my high school heart, Texas and Texas Tech in 2008. The Michael Crabtree catch. But first, a word from the Longhorn Real Estate Team. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country Mortgages have combined to make your Longhorn Real Estate Team. And for all your real estate needs in the Austin area, make sure you're visiting www.longhornrealestateteam.com. In a changing, more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions make us able to achieve the best results for our clients and our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research, information and expertise, which is now more important than ever for all your real estate needs in the Austin area. Make sure you're checking out www.longhornrealestateteam.com. Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, NMLS 2324262. Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872. Equal housing opportunity. So. Chris Beard was the head coach at Texas Tech, and he took Texas Tech all the way to the national championship game in, what was that, 2018? Uh, against 2019, yeah. excuse me, uh, against Virginia uh, and lost in overtime. And then he decided to return uh, to his alma mater, the University of Texas, a few years later. Uh, and it doesn't seem Texas Tech fans were too happy with that. So uh, why was the reaction so strong to that in uh there seems to be a legit hatred for Chris Beard and Lubbock. So talk to talk to us about that, you know, because now we have Chris Beard on our team and things seem to be trending up for the Longhorns. But Texas Tech fans, there's a legit hatred there. So just talk about that whole process and um, why that invokes so many strong emotions in Lubbock. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty multifaceted. And if you ask different people, you'd get a different reason why it rubs them the wrong way. Um, I, I think, though, it's accurate to now I don't want to speak for other people, but I think the sentiment among the fan base was that Texas Tech was obviously having a ton of success in basketball. Um, and, and, you know, we understood that there was a possibility that, that he might leave for another job. Um, we thought that job would be what we consider to be a blue blood in basketball. Like if, if Calipari left Kentucky or if Roy Williams retired in North Carolina, we thought that was kind of the only type of college job he would leave for. We thought he might leave for an NBA job. And had Beard left for UCLA, Kentucky, Kansas, anybody like that, I think we would have been like, you know, okay, you know, that that stinks, but it is what it is. But I know that it's his alma mater at Texas. We didn't really feel like that was a step up for him, though. Like, yeah, you, you have the bigger brand name, but Texas Tech had just finished construction on what might be the nicest indoor practice facility in the country. He was being paid top 10 money in the country. and. You know, I'm sure that his salary was going to be matched whatever Texas was offering. So, uh, you know, ultimately he didn't want to pass up the opportunity to coach at his alma mater. Uh, but the entire time he was here, he was feeding us on all this, you know, yeah, this is home. And, you know, West Texas is where my roots are. It's where my family lives. It's where I want to be. 
And he just kind of like laid that on really thick and this like blue collar, keep that chip on your shoulder, street dog mentality. And then to leave to the University of Texas, which fair or not, the perception among our fan base is that UT is the exact opposite of blue collar, chip on your shoulder, street dog mentality was kind of like, it was like we'd just been sold a load of crap for five years and that he was never really about all that. And so I think that's why the energy was so intense when, when he returned to Lubbock as Texas as head coach. Um, I, I do think there will always be that kind of animosity there for as long as Tech and UT play each other in basketball. But I think it was really that first year that like release of energy and, um, and anger. I don't think it'll ever be like that again. You know, there, there'll still be tension and rivalry, but I think it was just that first one that fans really wanted to let it all out. And, and they did. I mean, that, that atmosphere was insane. Um, but I think that's like the main reason why people took such issue with him leaving specifically for that school and kind of the way he did it. Had he left for Kentucky or North Carolina or the Cleveland Cavaliers, we would have said, okay, you know, that's, that's fair, but go into an in-state in-conference rival that you kind of seemingly derided through your blue collar culture was a little bit of a slap in the face, I guess. Yeah. Kyle basically says, since we're not Duke, we didn't deserve Chris Beard. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So Kyle, I have to ask you, how old are you? Um, 29. You're 29. Okay. I just turned 29 as well. So uh, this definitely is going to resonate with you. Like it resonated with me. So uh, I've cried twice over a football games. I, I, I can't admit I've cried twice over football games. One of them, uh, was 2007 when the Cowboys went 13 and three and then lost their first playoff game to the Giants, who then lost or beat the Patriots, excuse me, that yeah. year in the Super Bowl. That's the year that the Patriots uh, were undefeated into the Super Bowl. But the other time was 2008 when Texas, the number one team in the country, traveled to Lubbock, Texas to face Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree, the number seven team in the country. And they lost on one of the greatest plays in college football history where Michael Crabtree catches the walk-off touchdown. So, like I said, I, I remember jumping on my couch as a high school kid, rooting for Colt McCoy so hard. You know, the Blake Gideon dropped interception right before it. You know, y'all dominated the whole game. We somehow come back and take the lead. And it just ripped my heart out when Michael Crabtree caught that ball and, and, and ran into the end zone. And I, I shed a tear, man. But as a Texas Tech fan, what did that game mean to you? And what does that game mean to Texas Tech fans? You know, in this rivalry game, one of the craziest, maybe the craziest game of this rivalry. Well, I don't think you're about to get the answer you thought you were going to get. Uh, so I was I was born and raised in Austin. Oh, nobody in my family went to college. So like I didn't have any natural allegiance. And uh, my best friend since kindergarten, his mom is like the biggest diehard Longhorns fan I've ever met to this day and so from the time I was five you know if they had an extra ticket there invited me to the games and so I mean I, I grew up a Texas fan like I didn't have anybody else to root for I was going to the games I lived in Austin so the 2008 game I was a I guess freshman or sophomore in high school and I was rooting for Texas and uh, you know I didn't switch until I applied to college and came to tech and so you know it's cool to look back on but like I I have a different memory of that catch than other tech fans that were rooting for us at the time. Um, you felt like I did, right? <laughs> yeah. They pushed him out of bounds, right? And then they showed the replay. I was like, oh my God, he stayed in bounds that whole time. Um so yeah, I was I was upset like you and I, you know, I was arguing with people that Texas should go to the national championship game or the Big 12 championship game instead of OU because of that head to head at a neutral side. I, I still believe that by the way. Um 
but yeah, no, I, I was not a Texas Tech fan until about 2012 when I uh, when I came to school here. So um, yeah, I I hope that too many Tech fans don't find that out. I guess you know I, I'm not I don't hide that from anybody. But uh, yeah, during the 2008 game, I was actually pulling for Texas. Yeah, this is the very end of the video, so it might get buried in there. You might be all right, man. But uh, uh, no, definitely, yeah. I, uh, as a high school kid, man, that broke me for sure watching yeah. that play. And, you know, I rooted for because I'm from Arlington, so I rooted for, uh, you know, Michael Crabtree and him being from Dallas. But, yeah. uh, you know, man, that, that game broke me. And I know we won a lot of games uh, in Jones since then, but I still mm -hmm. feel like we need to uh, avenge that loss uh, yeah. tomorrow uh, well, in, uh, in Lubbock, even though, uh, you know, since it might be the last game in Lubbock for a while. What was you going to say? Well, I thought the uh, the 2018 game was pretty solid payback. Oh, yeah, that was crazy too, yeah. So how did you feel feel about that one then when yeah. you got the, the quarterback throwing up horns down and y'all had basically felt like y'all had won, and I'm sure at that point y'all had like a 90% chance to win, and then, yeah, you know, it comes back and, and we beat y'all. Yeah. It was a sellout crowd, by the way. Yeah, so, so that was 2020 uh, during the COVID year, but 2018 was the one. It, it was almost an identical play to the Crabtree catch when uh, Ellinger hit Humphrey. Oh, yeah, Humphrey. Okay, yeah. And same yeah. deal. Like, I thought they were going to push him out of bounds, and he kind of like tie ropes and scores. And it was it was not quite as last second as a Crabtree catch because I think we got the ball back, but it, it just wasn't enough time to, to go score. So I actually thought that play kind of more or less evened things out, even though the stakes weren't quite as high during that game. Uh, but, yeah, then the one you alluded to, I think Tech had a – 15 point lead with like three minutes left and Texas scored onside kick scored, converted the two point conversion and it goes overtime and then tech loses. Um, and, and people were fed up with uh, the coaching staff by then and they survived through that year and actually into 2021 season. But I think that was a moment. A lot of fans were like, okay, we need a new head coach. <laughs> yes. Hopefully the, this game tomorrow, uh, it doesn't come down to the wire. Like the last two have, uh, have in, in, in Jones, man. So Kyle from gambling gauchos, I really appreciate you. Uh, joining the show, tell them where they can find your work. One of the best uh, college podcasts out there, you know, in my opinion, and Twitter pages for sure. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Our, our Twitter handles are at Gambling Gauchos. Uh, that's, that's Twitter and Instagram handles um, where our podcast is on Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. We did a couple interviews this week. Uh, if people are familiar with Dana Beers from Barstool, he's on his official visit to Texas Tech trying to um, search for a college fan base that he wants to root for for the rest of his life. And so, we interviewed Dana Beers from Barstool, and then right before I came on with you, I was talking to Kyle Umlong um, about yeah, the beef and uh, all that good stuff. So we got a couple of things that Texas fans might enjoy, and we sort of cover Texas Tech and the Big 12 from a sports betting angle. So uh, we welcome followers and listeners from all Big 12 schools, and hopefully there's something there that, that y'all will enjoy. All right, man. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, thank you to Kyle from Gambling Gauchos joining Locked On Longhorns, Texas by double digits tomorrow. Hook him. Peace. <laughs>